my voice is going to be a little, it, it's a little tender right now because I spent all day making stupid noises. <laughs> what kind of noises? Oh, you know, pretending to sing along with like, like 90s house music in like sepultura sounds. Like. So you were singing the songs... Gonna be my love. Oh, see, I hear it. Yes, I see, I see, I see. Why were you doing that? Because I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear myself wheezing and coughing. I mean, (coughs) I can hear myself wheezing when I laugh. It made me cough. Yeah. Hold on, let me swig this. Right. Yeah, take a nice swig. Swig of that. Uh, What is that? It's like a canned Mai Tai. It's horrible. Is it? I don't like it. Really? No. I not at all? No. Is it not even doing the trick? No. <laughs> not at I, all. I think it's the speed at, at which you intake that helps do the trick. Because I'm not chugging? Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's what it is. It may not taste great, but, you know, the quicker it goes down, the faster the party starts. <laughs> That's what she said. (laughs) Welcome back to the Ice Cream Parlor. I am Heidi. And I'm Stefan. And we are here to talk about this movie we just saw. I can't believe you had never seen it before. No, this is not just... Go Grease Lightning, go Grease Lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wrong podcast. You've never seen Grease before today. No, no, Let's no. Talk I've, about I've that. never seen Grease. I don't even know what you you're never, talking about. I've never stop. seen it. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm not watching it, but you refuse to leave the room. <laughs> you you had it on. It just was, you know, uh, something I was passing by and happened to stick around for, for a it's bit. It's so fucking problematic. It, it, yeah, that's the funny <laughs> part about it. I was like laughing at, at the uh, problematic parts. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that, but... And watching it now, because I hadn't watched it in a few years, and watching it now, I realized the story is less about Danny Zuko and Sandy D, the main characters. It's got this amazing character arc for... Um, for who? It's got a great character arc for Rizzo and Kaniki. Oh, right, right. That's yeah. a beautiful story. <laughs> It's flawed, it's rugged, it's rough around the edges, but they they seem like the more genuine of the characters, you know? <laughs> like Rizzo is like a loud mouth, like potty mouth, like do what the fuck I want kind of girl. And Kaniki is the same, but as a dude, but he's a little bit more sensitive. And you can tell by the way he interacts with his boys. Like he always brings up, like there, there's a little bit more emotion there. What are you talking about again? Grease. <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't know what to tell I'm you. Lying. You haven't seen it, though. You just sat there just watching it. But yeah, that was a good movie. I'm okay. glad you watched it. I, yeah, I, I just. There's nothing wrong with you admitting you just watched Grease. I don't know what the hell. I've never seen it. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop. Okay, I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Grease. <laughs> but like, what were my teachers thinking? I first watched Grease in like fourth grade. Totally inappropriate. Yeah, that's definitely strange. <laughs> it's got statutory rape in there. It's got date rape in there. 
It's got uh, teenage smoking and drinking. It's got so much sexual innuendo. In I guess fourth that grade, really was I just probably the times, shouldn't have watched though, that right? at school, though. But I watched this at school in the 80s. Yeah, well, no, I still don't see how that worked. But again, I grew <laughs> up in, in uh, at that time I was in, in New England, you know, very Protestant, scarlet letter area type of, you know. It wasn't the 1890s. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, no, it was the 80, 1980s, but... I don't know. I, I had a record. So when we moved into the big house when we were kids, Raul, my brother, got his own room and I got my own room for some for a small time because then our family grew and then we had to share rooms. But um, he got he picked the TV to keep in his room and I kept, I picked the stereo and the stereo had a record player. Uh, it was a super cool state of the art. It, had it was one of those like two box. tape decks. Yeah. I was going to say. Two tape yeah. decks. It had radio function, AM and FM, and it had uh, a record player record. at the very top. Yeah. So it was like a giant it was cube, a, box. a square. Yeah. Yeah. It was a box. And um, one of the only albums I had, well, I mean, I inherited all of my mom and my dad's albums, right? So um, I got the Grease soundtrack <laughs> along with, you know, Disney songs and Jiminy Cricket teaches you addition. Um and the Rolling Stones' first five albums, uh, I, I had Grease soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. while you're we watching this, having, I was singing along. <laughs> I remember they used, you know, movie soundtracks on record used to be a, a thing. Um, again, I would have never seen something like Grease or or. I believe you've never <laughs> seen Grease. Well, I don't. Okay, you've seen now the sound that, of music, right? Yeah, but that's a little bit more wholesome. But first of it's all, about Nazis. It's about Nazis, but it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not even judging. Neither one of them are wholesome to me. I didn't enjoy watching Grease necessarily. I sat through it and just. But you was, laughed. Okay. <laughs> there were some funny parts. Yeah. I really appreciated the teacher's assistant or whatever it was. Like every time she did something, she just made me like laugh out loud. She was adorable. I don't think we normally talk about those type of movies on this podcast. No, we talk. <laughs> so I don't know where we're going with this thing. You're just trying to out me as seeing Grease on a public platform, which is fine because I saw wrong it. With you watching but Grease, what? What? Yeah, and but I don't care for it though. I'm not gonna watch it ever again. I'm not gonna sing the songs if that's what know. you I really want to know. <laughs> Like what what are we doing here? All of a sudden, I'm being interrogated for I'm not, watching Grease. I was Greece. Really asking if you enjoyed it, and apparently you did not. I didn't really <laughs> care for it. There's some funny bits because the times have changed, and it was very, you know, um, inappropriate movie. for for especially it being high school people um, in their thirties. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, you don't have to like it. <laughs> No shit. Why are we talking about Greece? Why are you getting so defensive? <laughs> you can't have a straight face. Stop trying to pretend you're mad. Okay. What's next? Yes, it is a departure from our usual movies. Um, but sometimes if you just put something on that you don't expect, you find a gem. Kind of like we did this week in watching The Prowler from 1981. Oh, yeah, we, that one movie that we happened to come across and watch that was actually a really good movie. <laughs> it's a fucking amazing movie. It's like it's like a needle in a haystack kind of thing. It's like it's like what is it? Uh um what is let's see, Aladdin, uh Diamond in the Rough. It's like 
you just happen to come across a gem. We had no idea that we were going to watch what we wanted to talk about when we put on this movie. It just looked like background something or other. So while I was ironing and it is a great fucking movie. Yeah. I mean, you have never heard of it before, right? I had never heard of the movie at all. And it was, a, like you said, a diamond in the rough. And I'm so happy we watched it. It's a great commentary on the effects at home of people who go off to war. Right? Because it's not just it's not just PTSD. It's not just, you know, uh, injuries. It's broken relationships. And at the end of the day, this movie is uh, a very wrong approach to it but it was somebody processing a breakup right um being that it was a early 80 very early 80s slasher movie i was impressed and and surprised that this one went under the radar because um, it's got tom motherfucking savini doing the special effects right so it was a gore fest and it was delightful yeah and again i i it was very early in the slasher phase, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think this technically the slashers start with like the late seventies or whatever with Halloween and and whatnot, but um, Friday the Thirteenth and whatever. But I thought this one did really good. It wasn't like super campy and and um, which isn't a bad thing, but like you know what I mean. It, it, it was, was kind of realistic. I mean, the special effects were, of course, Savini, so they were like a little bit over the top. Like, there's a scene where it's got, a guy gets stabbed in the head. Like, <laughs> yeah, that um, was a good one. And I can't imagine the amount of force one would need to stab somebody through the head, through the top of the head. Right. But the story kind of makes for like a realistic. Like a realistic adventure, like, oh my gosh, somebody could totally be doing those things. It wasn't like, I'm shooting lasers out of my eyes. It was very realistic way of approaching a breakup if you were not supported with mental health, with, with uh, mental health care services. Yeah, yeah. You well, know what I mean? I guess that was a pretty common thing for, you know, people to go off to war you hope that the woman you left behind is going to stay true and stick it out for you. But, you know, at the same time, these poor women don't know what's happening. It's, there's no communication like there is today. So they're just sitting around waiting. And by uh, some of them maybe made the right choice and, and their man came back alive. But others who, who probably thought, you know, and just waited it out and just stayed true. And then they found out that their, their partner passed. Like, I don't know, like maybe they should have just lived their lives, right? I don't I don't have that experience, but I do have something similar. Mm-hmm. Um a long time ago, I it had to have been a decade ago, at the very least a decade ago, I was seeing somebody who ended up going to prison and they got seven years. Oh shit. Seven years. And the general rule is if it's over three years, you're not gonna do the waiting game because you it just makes sense. That's like an unspoken rule, right? Um, however, there are some people who still try to do it, whatever. And I tried. I tried. And it wasn't because I was floozing around. It wasn't because um, the emotional relationship wasn't there. It was a realization that I wasn't even happy with that person before they went to prison. And once I realized, well, this is only something we're working on, 
because of the circumstances, uh, we wouldn't want to put, we wouldn't want to put any effort into this relationship if this person was out of prison. So I did the immature thing and just stopped writing. Oh, wow. So, you know, he must have been pretty pissed that you don't know, right? Because you never communicated oh, with him yeah, again? Yeah, I, I have communicated with oh. him ever since. And yeah, he was fucking pissed. <laughs> I, I, I bet. He was fucking pissed. It was when I was, um, it was when I was less mature, you know? I mean, I was, I had my kids young, so I had to be responsible really young, but emotionally mature, um, I was, you know, it took some time to get there. And I'm very glad that I didn't stick around. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but that aside, like I'm very glad he, I didn't stick around because it was it's a person who is great in their own right, aside from what they did to go to prison. But um, this person, I couldn't even, I would never have been able to be myself because it's uh, a very Latino, like, stereotypical like they like nothing gay and i am like a huge homo you know <laughs> so it would never have worked out like it would have never worked out right um and it would have been such a waste of seven fucking years mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy it's a, long, it's a long time yeah so i can only i can't imagine so the the story the movie starts with like you know like those war announcement reels that they do in movies and it's like 1945 and they're talking about oh all the poor guys that are going to come home to dear, dear John letters who are, or are coming home after having received dear John letters. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. The character Rosemary writes to whoever this man is that she's been seeing who is who she was waiting for until she couldn't wait for him any longer. And she says it in her note and she says, I can't wait for you any longer because I want to move on. I want to have a life. And um, she writes him this letter and it's signed Rosemary. That same later that year, Rosemary ends up going to a dance with a graduation dance for in, in Avalon, California. And well, let's just get into it. Let's yeah, just get into um, it. I mean, so you are. the Prowler is from 1981. Traded R. Hey, um, the year I was born. The year you were born. Um, and it is all it was also re-released two years later under Rosemary's Killer. Under the title Rosemary's Killer, which I'll never call it that because Rosemary's Baby has such a has such a crucial place in my heart. That's how I approach all relationships. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> I mean, obviously we look at researched a little bit about the movie and i saw also there was something about that but then i also saw that there was like i guess the in 84 yeah, yeah something about the pitchfork massacre yeah, or something, something like, like that, that. Yeah. but even the name prowler doesn't really the, the title doesn't, doesn't really fit. Yeah. yeah but that's okay i mean i understand why they named it that and we'll get into that in a second but um rosemary's killer is kind of like uh, that's a little too on the nose because you want to know you don't want to know right away. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, so the story is about a killer who stalks the graduation dance 35 years after a brutal double murder. Yeah. So a nice whodunit. A um, nice whodunit. And there's a lot of red herrings, which is great. Yeah. It had a, us guessing. Yeah. The whole it had through, us guessing, right? even though I guessed the, the right one mm -hmm. first. Uh, but it, it was still like 
even we though know I knew, you got the superpower. Uh, even though, <laughs> that's just called being on the spectrum, I think. <laughs> Pattern recognition. Um, even though I guessed right away, it was nice to see. It, it was still enjoyable to watch because sometimes I'll watch something and I'll guess and I'm like, this is so boring. I can see how they're trying to tie everything they're doing to it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it was directed by Joseph Zito, who... After this, ended up directing Did Friday the Friday 13th, the, yeah. the final chapter. I think that's the one with Corey Feldman. Oh, cool. Yeah, because that was essentially supposed to be the end of the Friday the 13th, and then it got resurrected again. Um, cool. Actually, the one right after that is not, not even a, a Jason movie. It's like a copycat killer. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he also directed this movie called Abduction in 1975. Oh, really? And it's and I'll read you the synopsis. It's the daughter of a wealthy businessman is taken hostage by a gang of radical black revolutionaries. Being for her life at first, she gradually becomes sympathetic to her kidnappers cause and eventually considers herself to be one of them. When the police finally find her, will they return her to her family or lock her up loosely based on Patty Hearst's kidnapping by the Symbionese Liberation Army? That looks like huh. something I want to watch. Yeah, so yeah. it's like like Black Panthers kidnap someone, and then it, eventually it's they... like Patty Hearst, but um, who's Patty Hearst? Patty Hearst. So she was the daughter of like a newspaper magnate or some, or like just wealthy guy, and uh, she ended up having Stockholm syndrome, and so she ended up joining their cause. Mm-hmm. That kind of story. Yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes if you're around someone long enough and they're not like abusing you or whatever, then... even if they are abusing you, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah, Ew. like Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Was she getting abused? Mm, I mean, kind of. She was locked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was being held against her will. <laughs> yeah, you're oh, right. he gave her books. <laughs> um, special effects, of course, by Tom Savini, and they were great. Yeah, I love his effects because it's like when. When there's something like peeling back skin, I, I feel like it's a very Savini thing. He, I think, was quoted maybe saying that this is one of his favorite films he's ever worked on, or something. Yeah, but, yeah. Although, was he? Did he do Maniac? Yeah, and I think that came that out great. just before this one. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, it's also starring Vicky Dawson, who plays Pam. She's the main character. Um, she was in the film as early or as late as 2021 called amazon queen okay she's still alive (laughs) making movies also christopher groutman plays mark the deputy and he ended up going on to become a producer and director for daytime soap operas in the 80s and 90s oh really that's so funny because he is wait um he's the um the the cop right yeah so his hair and everything, to He's me, very, he like, looked suave. like a soap opera kind of guy <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. He just had a look. And then Lawrence Tierney. I recognized him and I recognized his name. And it he took me a while to... To, to locate him, yeah. Yeah, he plays He's um who? Major Chatham. Chatham? Okay, right. So he's essentially the dad of the daughter from the beginning He's of the Rosemary's movie. father. Right. And he played... The main guy who's setting up the robbery in Reservoir Dogs. That's right. Yeah, I forgot Mero, his Mero. character. Yeah, <laughs> forgot his character name, but um, yeah, he's the one who gives yeah. them all the names and tells them who's going to be Mister Pink and <laughs> <laughs> and to tip, fucking tip. <laughs> um, 
Set, it's set in the 1980s, but the original double murders are in 1945. Mm-hmm. Right the same after town, World War II. Right after World War II. Mm-hmm. Same town, same everything, same school. So uh, it, it this movie has been named one of the greatest slasher films of all time by Complex and Paste magazines. And I agree with them. I really dig this Well, that's what I was saying to you. It's like they didn't really have a blueprint really yet of what the slashers really were. I mean, there's a few that did it well, and and this one also did it well. And then I think maybe what happened is we got into the whole, like, we have mass production. Everybody's just got to come up with it. Yeah, a template, you know. I appreciate the final women in most of the slasher films that we watch. Mm -hmm. Right, I appreciate the crap out of them. I really love their take on the final girl here. Pam, she is a don't fuck with me, I will cut you kind of girl. Like you, uh, Yeah, I think uh, in a weird way, she was like you, how you would be in a horror me? movie. <laughs> but you, she was like, you couldn't get anything by her. She was smart. She, you know. Basically, she was running the show for the most part, and I thought that was cool. Okay. I didn't know if you were insulting me or not until you said that. <laughs> <laughs> she was fucking awesome. Like, when, when the deputy tried to, like, get rid of her and say, go over there, and she's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Bitch? I'll fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated her a lot. Like She's, I think, one of my favorite final girls now. Really? Like, just mm-hmm. below... JLC. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just below JLC. Like What was her character name again? Pam McDonald. Oh, Pam. Right, Pam, Pam. Okay. And they're all like basically so they're in school, but it, yeah. there's dorms essentially, right? Yeah, so but I think it's, it's not a college. No, though, is no, it? I think it's like high school kids cuz not supposed to be drinking yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I get it. So it's like a boarding school maybe. Yeah. So, Avalon, California, 1944. Okay. Rosemary writes her boyfriend a Dear John letter. Later that year, during the graduation dance, that boyfriend slaughters Rosemary and her boyfriend Roy, her new boyfriend Roy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, did you know that that was him right away? Yeah. I think, see, the thing is, I like, I just kind of don't. I'm not like, I don't know how it is. I just like let myself go and I'm watching a movie and I'm just like, oh, there's a guy, he's a killer. They didn't really identify him. He had some sort of military outfit on. But I was thinking that he was one of the people that we already saw in the scene, you know? And I was actually thinking he was the military boyfriend with the other friend who are like the first two characters we sort of are introduced to. You mean in 1945? In the 1945 Uh section, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I honestly, I think it's trauma based and being in the hood. You suspect everybody. <laughs> I think that's all it is. I think that superpower you say, I think it's just trauma, mm-hmm. but that's it. But it was crazy how they were both impaled, like with the pitchfork, with the pitchfork. Like it was like a getting two birds stoned because they were making out. And so they were chest to chest with the boy on top and, uh, the pitch por- pitch. Pitch pork. Pitch pork. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the pitch fork goes through the boy's back, through his chest, into her chest, and out her back. It's like the one of the most efficient kills. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought um, it was a great start 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was crazy because it, the movie starts, the well, the dance starts with us following up, following around a set of characters, a boy and a girl, who have nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's like it lead, leads us into the movie and then immediately we're like, wait, what? What happened? How are we focused right, on these guys? Right, and, that's... and they have nothing else to do. And it was pretty cool. And it was kind of that bait and switch that I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. This is that kind of movie. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I think that's what I've kind of, because well, there's quite a few characters we're introduced to sort of in the 1945 part of it. Um, right. So there's like um, Paul, who ends up being a shopkeep in 1980. There's, I mean, there's a lot of characters. Yeah, I mean, exactly. What I'm just trying to say is that I was taking all those original faces and mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, one of those guys are probably going to be the killer. Yeah, because we think it's going to take place in 1945 the whole time. Right. But, right, at, at that point, we don't know that we're going to flash forward. But then when we do flash forward, I'm still trying to think, like, well, it's probably that one guy in the military outfit. And I guess that's probably the bait that they were going for mm-hmm. the whole time. So if that's what they, they wanted the audience to think, they did a great job. Yeah. Um, so in 1980, mm-hmm. Ham... And her friends, who are teenagers in this dormitory, boarding school, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They're um, they're finishing up decorations for their graduation dance. Now, this is the first time the dance has taken place since the murders of 1945. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm assuming they put a stop order on the dance right after the original murders. And then somehow it just sort of phased out over right. time. So and- in this case, they're picking it back up. And mm-hmm. Pam is like a, a pretty but very smart girl also because she also writes the newsletter. Mm-hmm. And in the newsletter, she talks about how 1945, these are the killings, they never found the killer, all this other stuff. She has a boyfriend. And her boyfriend's name is Mark. And he's the town's deputy. Yeah. Now, he must be a year or so older because yeah. he's graduated already. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is left alone to care for the small town by the sheriff, George. And George is not going to be there because he's taking his annual trip, his mm-hmm. annual fishing trip. Right. And I, right then and there, I should have caught it. I should have caught it. I, I knew. Alert. Well, I knew there was something fishy. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> uh, pun intended. Um, but yeah, I, I just knew it. Because I was like, who's going to really like put their camping trip over the, the duty of like, I guess, well, the duty that you're talking about is while Pam is visiting Mark at the de- at the sheriff's station, they get notice that there's a prowler on the loose who's attacking people mm-hmm. the next town over. And it sounds like he's heading towards Avalon. Right. And Pam gets concerned. Mark gets concerned. But the sheriff's like, yeah, it'll be fine. They'll catch him. Yeah, the sheriff is like kind of like, yeah, he's good. He's been at it for a year or so. He's he'll know what to do. By the way, here's my number. You can call me where I'm going to be at right. if you need me, kind of thing. It's just all nonchalant. Yeah, it's sort of like a a test um, for the deputy to kind of earn his stripes. Yeah. That being said, the sheriff says all you have to do, pretty much, because it's a slow, it's a slow, calm town. All you have to do is make sure that the kids don't get too rowdy at the dance. Right. Like that's it. But there's no other deputy. There's no other officer. There's nothing. It's the sheriff and the deputy. Yeah, pretty small in town. In a town of like, what, 500 people? Well, it's not a, it might be a small town, but the architecture is gigantic. I mean, that house or that school, whatever, dormitory yeah, so, thing, whatever. Yeah, but it's a school. I, I, I can expect a school to be big enough for classes and stuff and extracurriculars and, and sports and yeah. 
And then also different dormitories for the boys and for the girls. I expect the school to be big. Yeah. But who lives across the street from the school mm-hmm. is um, Major, what's his name? Major Kaith, uh, Ch- Chatham. Ch- Chatham? Is that Chatham? how you pronounce it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he he is uh, the father of Rosemary who still lives in that house. And he's had recently had a stroke, so he's also wheelchair bound. Right. Or right. so we're told. Yeah, and we we find out that he kind of uh, sits by the window and and, and gets watches free, all the girls. <laughs> gets a free show. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I I th- I would move. <laughs> You'd move. I would Who, move. What do you mean? Like, if, if I were him and my daughter got slaughtered down the like across the street from my house, I would not want to live there. Yeah. And the house is an enormous house. It's actually a museum that they were able to have a skeleton crew shoot in the interior. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's 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 not a house. It's a museum. It's enormous. Yeah, everything. That's what I mean. It looked huge. It was gigantic. The architecture was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the dance. Sherry is one of Cam's friends. She's the one with the short hair. She's showering, getting ready. She's the floozy. She's no, already... the floozy is Lisa. Oh well, Lisa's well, the floozy. Well, they're all too. But the thing is, like, what the short hair one? She had it guaranteed. I guess Lisa probably was going to guarantee hers as well, but she was sort of still floating around. You know what I mean? Well, Sherry and her boyfriend uh, are one of the first kills, aside from the double murder. Right. Um, they're also the last to be found. They're the last <laughs> to be found. I can only imagine the stench because yeah. they probably pooped in the shower. <laughs> Oh, you you and, and dead bodies. You're you're like forever scarred. <laughs> People are gonna think that something weird. <laughs> yeah. But um it was a pretty cool death scene. Like it's her, so Sherry's her roommate mm-hmm. and she's getting in the shower uh while um Pam is already dressed, ready to go. Um the dance, so she leaves her there as so she can get ready, but her boyfriend shows up. Her boyfriend, I don't even catch his name. Um he shows up and they're going to mess around in the shower. But nope. The killer stabs him in the head and impales Sherry with a pitchfork. All right. Let's pause there for a second. So, knowing what we know, and I know it's spoiling them, whatever, but that we're talking about it. The cop who's supposed to be going on a camping trip, why is. So, do you think he's already know? Like, he just. He's just going to kill anybody random. It's not like he's, you know, got a vendetta with that girl or her boyfriend, right? Well, okay. So here, some of the reasons why, we'll go over the kills later, but one of some of the reasons why I initially, well, initially started thinking that it was the sheriff that was the killer was because of the, quote, respect for the badge that I saw when later on, um, when Sherry's killed and, uh, Pam is running out of the dorms or whatever because she's being chased by the killer. And then she goes down to the floor and the major grabs her by the arm. She finally gets away and her boyfriend hears her screams. Yeah. Comes back out and to look, he sees the wheelchair marks and everything, but the killer doesn't attack him. Right. He doesn't attack him. The, the deputy. And the, he doesn't attack the deputy. And mm-hmm. the killer doesn't actually attack to kill Pam until way later because 
he knows Pam's a, quote, good girl. Because he's developed a relationship with her because she's dating his deputy. Okay. So, but now, so my point is, like, what was his initial thought process? Like, because he had to go into those dorm rooms with his whole outfit on, right? He, sh- he must have been squeaking. So he's going up there with his whole thing and his boot and his uh, knife in there and all that. And, and he's like, well, I'm going to kill Sherry and her boyfriend first. Or the boyfriend was like a lucky mishap, right? No, they, they were both there. So he didn't know who was going to be there. I think, okay, if we're going to go into the mind of this this specific killer, I think everybody was at the dance. He saw maybe the boyfriend start walking up because he's like, oh, he's going to go see his girlfriend. I know that there's a girl in there. But but Pam had left, so she didn't run into him. But the boyfriend maybe led. Um, okay, so you think he, I think thought, he saw followed, the boyfriend. I think he yeah. followed the boyfriend because he's going away from the dance into the dorms, which in my mind would be like, oh, he must be picking up his girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend... Uh, you know, wouldn't have been an issue. And he probably saw, I can take that guy. I know that guy. Because it's a small town. So he, I think he just followed him in. Because when uh, when the boyfriend goes into the bathroom to, to, you know, see Sherry naked and then they can decide on having sex before the dance, um, he goes into the bathroom and then we don't know what who comes in behind him after that. We just know that when... He is, uh, he comes back out of the bathroom to get undressed, then he gets killed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's ample opportunity for this killer to have followed him into the, into the dorm room. Yeah. So just random, essentially, like he probably is just going after, he, he probably, again, like you said, noticed the boyfriend going away from the uh, dance, which meant that maybe he was also going to get some, and that's always what they don't want, right? The killers don't want people to have sex. Well, it also seemed like he was um, going after floozies because he was jilted by a flooz. Okay. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying there. And so the, the sherry was kind of, you know... Uh, floozing. Floozing. And then after that, who's the second one? Is it the next one? The was next the girl one is the, Lisa. Um, in the pool, right? In the pool, yeah. But uh, but after, um, oh, how do I say this? So Sherry gets killed like right away, right? Her and her boyfriend get killed right away. Meanwhile, Pam goes to the dance. Pam goes to the dance and she's serving punch. Her boyfriend comes to visit. Mm-hmm. The deputy, deputy Mark, yep. comes to visit. But guess what? Lisa floozes. And, and Lisa takes, is her other friend and takes him and starts dancing seductively with him. Right. Meanwhile, Pam is serving punch, so she's like can't even make a scene. <laughs> and the boyfriend's but not even saying dance, no, right? no, no. Yeah, but not everybody sees it as just a dance. Some uh, people but, see some people okay. Some people see things differently. So for example, we were driving yesterday and you got cut off, right? <laughs> and it was um, on like on the way home. You got cut off, but I saw it as in, oh shit, that guy wasn't paying attention and lost control and veered into our lane. And you saw it as that guy deliberately tried to hit us, right? Same uh, well, thing. Well, he didn't deliberately try to hit us. He did. I, I don't know. Anyway. Right. So, so that's what I'm saying. There's um, different ways people see things. I see things in a different way than you will. And we are very similar. Mm -hmm. Well, in the scene, 
the deputy didn't see it as being a problem because he obviously went along and did it thinking it's just a dance. What's the, what's the Correct. harm in that? And he kept eye contact with his girlfriend the whole time. Sure. That was not a problem. However, the, um, if I had been Pam, I would have been more upset with the friend because the friend looked like even because in the first scene when we meet Pam and Mark, that friend, that same, that Lisa is the same girl, like doing flirty eyes with him. Right. Yeah. Now the bigger question but, is uh, even if it's even if there's trust and everything in a relationship, a girl can still feel insecure. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, the bigger thing is that the deputy is off, you know, out dancing on the dance floor when he should be keeping a watch since he's the only guy who's an authority and the law around here now. Yeah, my my well, yeah, but how? What is it? Cow tipping? Like I don't understand what else would happen there. Um, I, I don't know. I guess obviously not a whole lot, but so it's okay for him to go off and shouldn't he just still have to stand there? Yeah, though? he should. Yeah. <laughs> he should. Absolutely. But he's also one, like what, at most 20 years old? I guess so. And there, while there are some very responsible 20 year olds, I would, I would not leave an entire town to a 20 year old. No, Absolutely. Uh, but this was different times, though, the 80s. You know, people used to let their five-year-old kids walk to the store and to the school and stuff like that. So <laughs> I, I think, like, you know, we grew up faster back then, right? Um, yeah, it's a miracle we survived the 80s. <laughs> like, I was thinking about it the other day um, because I – there are a lot of things I have been able to do with my kids as a single mom. and But one of the things that I regret that I have not been able to do is teach them to ride a bike. Oh really? You? I have not taught. I have not taught them how to ride a bike. But you can ride a bike. I can ride a bike. Yeah. Um. I used to ride around the entire neighborhood, South Central, mind you, with no supervision. I start to learn how many things I sometimes, I guess, take for granted that I've learned to do or had access to or whatever, um, like things like swimming or riding a bike or whatever. Um, and I know your kids know how to swim, but. You know, some people don't. They don't ever get the chance to learn, you know? Yeah. And my, my thing is I've always been working. And, I mean, up until up until maybe they were in double digits, I really was not making any money. You know, I, I have a child with special needs, so I was like, I'm going to work from home as best I can. And I barely had food to put on the table. So something like an, a bike um was very difficult and then when i had money to be able to buy them a bike as the example my kids were so big that i couldn't hold the bike straight and i mean my kids are tough kids but they're also sissy kids sometimes and uh the thought of falling was too much for them and so it was very difficult for me because my kids are a lot bigger than me yeah especially now Especially now. So it was it was one of the things I do regret yeah. not doing for them. I think that, um, you know, it's uh, still possible, you know. It's just yeah. kind of, they are, you know, you got to want to do it. You have to want to do yeah. it. Yeah. So now they're like basically adults and it's like I can't force them to do much. Yeah. Although they're pretty good kids and I, if I asked, they probably would try it. But um, I don't know. Um, that being said. I, I there were a lot of things they did learn to do like swimming and stuff. They got like private instruction by celebrity 
coaches and stuff because my mom knows rich people, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, they had those benefits. My bike was my first ticket to freedom. Like the same way my car, you know, you know, my mom has mentioned that, like that was the downfall of was like letting me get a car. Well, the bike was my first thing, you know, because I was in smaller areas or smaller towns. Massachusetts. Massachusetts, for sure. And then Florida also, I had a bike. But in Massachusetts over there, you could ride your bike um, pretty much anywhere. And so, yeah, I would take my bike and just ride up to my friend's house or ride up to a park or whatever. Um, that was just the, the mode of transportation. Like, you know, I couldn't even imagine not knowing how to ride a bike or not having a bike because I, like, needed it. Yeah, I hear you. I, uh, we only, my brother and I were only two years apart, so we were very close. We would just ride our bike literally to Manchester. Yeah. To rent a video and then come back. But we'd ride, like, ride around the neighborhood. And so picturing this, I can see, like, it's not even fun or interesting, you know, like, there's no, like, (laughs) I was riding where like, okay, this road goes this way and there's up and then you cut through here and there's a little path and like, it's, it's like South central where we grew up was a grid. <laughs> yeah. Like you exactly. go up and then you go down. But where would you even go? You know, like to, you there's go a to liquor the video store rental over place, there. <laughs> or you'd go to the liquor store. Like those are the only two things we'd never go to Western. Yeah. Um, but we would go to Van Ness because, mm-hmm. uh, Western was way too, like, uh, way too busy of a street. Yeah. Yeah, haven't been on a bike for a long time. I like bike riding. Like, yeah. it's fun. Um, I'd love to be able to just do Doc Waller to Venice and back. What is it about, you know, a bike or riding a bike? Like you say, you never forget it. It's just like riding a bike. You pick it up and you get back on it and you can do it again, right? So I guess the, the thing about riding a bike is learning balance, right? That's all it is, yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. Um well, I don't know if that's all it is, but that's how I can rem- remember writing it. It's just that freedom. Like I learned to ride a bike. Like I was so scared to get on a bike and ride it because I didn't understand how I would stay balanced. But I got a Huffy. I must have been 10 years old. I got a Huffy bike. Wow, nice. It was white and it had a pink little styrofoam little thing across yep, the handlebars. Yep, yep. And... um we went out, I think it was either at the park, the Sentinella Park, or at a campsite because we used to go camping a lot. Um, but I remember it was a it was grassy hill and I was at the top of the hill and my dad was like, just ride your bike down the hill. If you fall, you fall on grass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I rolled down the hill and I never stopped. <laughs> like I was I like, okay, I'm going. riding a bike now. So, and then I was riding a bike, and then ever since that day, I never. Well, I did fall off the bike a few times, but never like drastically. Yeah. If anything, like on my knees, I have all these scars on my knees. That's from that's from rollerblades. No, not from <laughs> not, not from, from bikes. bikes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The first time you fall off a bike, you get a little like jilted, but then you're like, nah, I can get back on this again. Yeah. But I think like anyway, what we said is it's the balance thing that you learn, and that's what you don't forget, I guess, because you know you can. I haven't been on a bike in who knows twenty years, but I know I could get on a bike and ride it right now. You know. Yeah. Um, strange. It's interesting. Yeah. Bikes are pretty cool. Like there are electric bikes now, and I'm like, that's kind of cheating, but also pretty cool for those who just 
want to be able to do it and just can't. Yeah. Um, I haven't been on any of those. I haven't been on an b- electric bike or a bird scooter or any of that. And I, I think, you know, again, if I was younger and those existed, I would have been all over it. I just in this point in my life, I don't feel like that I have the need. Or th- I, I would do it for fun if it was just there presented in front of me and it was like, I don't know, somebody had one. But I'm not going to go out of my way right now to go find a bird scooter to ride it. Um, plus, I guess, I don't know, you also... They're not really taken care of that well. Like they're tossed yeah. around. Oh, and also and it's like dirty. Yeah, you know. But I would like to try it at some point. Growing up, I used to go to World on Wheels. What's that? It was um because I before we moved to South Central, we lived in Mid City, back when Mid City was hood, like super hood. Like my elementary school, we'd have like weekly drive bys. Like it was pretty bad. But they had crazy six year olds. Yeah. No. <laughs> There was a high school. L.A. High was up the street. Yeah. And that's where all the gang problems. Bangs. Yeah, the gangs were. And then there was a park across the street from that. And gang members hung out at the park and whatever, causing trouble. Um, but there was uh, like a little like plaza where everything was. That's where the grocery store was. That's where the bank was. That's where the bowling alley was. And the bowling alley shared space with World on Wheels. And it's a roller skating rink. Hmm. And it was like... Growing up, it was like, oh, man, you went to World on Wheels this weekend? Wow, that's so cool. Because it's just basically an open floor Mm -hmm. where you can roller skate. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even though you're enclosed, it's such a freeing experience. I mean, especially, especially culturally, because it's a lot of music and dancing and everybody putting routines together. It was just so cool. That's something I never had experience with, although I did learn how to rollerblade and I was, um, you know, I could ice skate and rollerblade because of playing like hockey kind of whatever, uh-huh. but I never went you to a, hockey. Well, when I was young in Massachusetts, I was lucky enough to have, you know, the, the lake would freeze over. So in those winter times, you would either play hockey or at least know how to skate, you know? So I... um. When I was young, we lived in Maryland for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. I remember being able to do ice skating and going to the snow. But having gone to Big Bear over the holiday, over Christmas, and the lake wasn't thoroughly frozen over, isn't it so dangerous to just go skating on a lake? Well, does somebody check it? Like, how does that happen? Okay. Anybody so listening, let me know. I have lakes no idea. That I, so, okay, first of all, um, yeah, we would find frozen over lakes or or ponds. A pond is usually the better of you know it's a because it, it's a smaller body of water. Smaller body of water. It's not like coming or going. There's no current. It's just the pond. You know, when that freezes over, you're good to go. You know, um, and you check it. You throw a rock or you know you you start to step on it. You walk out two inches to see like if if it's holding your weight or you take the hockey stick or something and you bash and. And, but the thing is, like when the, when you're like those winters hit, and when it's that cold, you know it's good. Like shit, everything is frozen, and so you know the ice can be frozen like six inches thick sometimes. Like you're not breaking through that. How do you know? How do you know it'll hold like a person our size? 
Okay, so I guess you just know because the person... You don't fall who, in? <laughs> yeah, you see people who are older than you get on it and they don't break and you're like, oh, I guess that's how it works, you know? The first time, I never was told, like, be too careful. It was just like, oh, yeah, it, it the snow is up, like, three, four feet sometimes. Like, I've had some really giant big snowstorms I guess I've in just never been in that climate. Yeah, it's so cold that you don't even have to second guess it. You see, like, oh, shit, the lake's frozen over. We can go skating. You just know. <laughs> and uh, I think huh. it's just because it was just that cold. But, yeah, you check it. And there's a, sometimes where maybe something cracks a little and you're like, oh, it's okay. Let's get off of it. Um, but, you know, when you're playing hockey – it's uh, intense, you know, you're bashing people, you're falling down, you're hitting the sticks and, you know, hmm. skating intensively and all that. So you would just have to wait for the right time of year and the right winters and the right temperature. And it was just good to go. And you would just know. And I don't know. I was only between the age of like, say, six to 11, 12. So I had that little time period where I was able to experience that. After that, it was all hot summers from and and hot winters from there on. No more snow. Oh, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, who says? Let's move to Florida. My parents I guess a did. lot of people do, <laughs> right? Because it was a it's a thing, right? That you yeah. have all these winters up north, and you're like, "Fuck that!" And yeah. you go down to the humidity. So I I, I just uh, yeah I guess there's I mean yeah a lot of people move to Florida Florida's full of transplants and a lot of people actually like it because it's better in some ways than where they came from, um, which is like the movie we're talking about small towns. Where, oh right 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 right. <laughs> where it's really movie. really like how do we even get on this? <laughs> I don't <Topic>. know. <laughs> I don't know. You said something about bikes and the next thing bikes hold my pocket. We went this way. <laughs> <laughs> hold my pocket. Somebody at work said. Oh, my pocket. And there are only a select few who just started laughing. We saw a video where a mom had her kid holding their pocket in the store. And it made me laugh because that's what I thought of. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I used to make the kids hold on to me while we were at the store, but not my pockets because girl pants don't have pockets. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice concept, but it, it looked a little, it can be a little uh, aggressive, you know? Yeah. If you, more like your kid's your pet, not like a. No, no, you no. Know, or, a you, or you hold animal. onto the cart. No, I, that's what I mean. But with them holding your pocket, it's almost like, I don't know. It feels so a little different. I do have a son with special needs, right? But as, and he's a calm, brilliant boy now. He was not always. And he would run away. And, you know, he's on the spectrum usually, like gravitate towards water. So it would always be very difficult. To try to keep up with him. Plus, I also had another kid. Plus, I was doing it all by myself. So I, I got him a backpack with that leash. And he loved it. Oh, he loved the freedom. Yeah. yeah, he loved the freedom. And people would talk so much shit. And I'd be I think like, I've talked a lot of and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather you talk shit than my kid be missing. Yeah, no. I, or we'd go hiking and they're like, I'd rather you talk shit than my kid roll off the cliff. You I, know? Yeah. I, I can see both sides of it. I've also probably been one of those people talking shit. Yeah, no, most people do talk <laughs> shit. And I get it. Yeah, it's not a puppy. No, it's not a puppy. It's a kid. And I would rather and be okay. Like, we would also walk the Vegas Strip because I lived in Vegas for the year that I was like, for the year that, so I left to Vegas and didn't come back until their father was like behind bars. 
kind of thing. So while I was there, he was still very small, my son. So um, I'd walk the strip and take them to all these fun things to do, but I'd have him on a leash. And that's just because, one, I want him to feel independent. I want him to know that he can be trusted with things, right? It's a big thing with my family. With my kids, it's like, I trust you. And I tell them that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I trust you. Go ahead, do it. Um, But that's the groundwork I had to do. I have amazing kids because I fucking leashed them. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Leash your fucking kids. (laughs) Parenting 101 by the (laughs) mighty Heidi. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't give a shit what people said about him being on a leash. I didn't give a fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. it hurt my feelings. It did. And it, it made me feel small. It made me feel like I was doing something bad. But then I'm also a fuck you that shit kind of girl. So I did it anyway because it worked. It was what worked for him. I think that's the key is it's it, it's what worked. And in that situation, you know, you you can't be judgmental. I mean, you don't know what the other person's going through, especially with a uh, handy, uh, handicapped or special needs child. Like they can run a lot, you know. And, they can. And, and even children without any special needs also can run a lot and you know I, I anybody who's no i mean i'm not even a parent but i've been around situations where someone for a, a few like seconds has lo- like just lost play, sight of their child remember we went to korean barbecue and this woman's kid just all of a sudden dashed to the street yeah yeah that was scary like yeah. she barely caught him but there's that and there's also just all of a sudden like oh my god where is so and so oh but and also kidnappers yeah, that's what I mean. You don't look. You look around. You're like, oh shit, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? And then finally, you ho- you locate them. Yeah. But anyway. yeah. Anyway, um, where the fuck were we even at? Well, we're we're right here and <laughs> talking about prowlers. All right, so the prowlers. So <laughs> there's a lot of great like scenes. Um, I'm just going to talk about the, the the murders. I think there's eight kills in total, oh, right? Yeah, I know. Like, I took us on a tangent. We're not. We don't have to go back down that road. But I took us on a tangent because I was trying to get into the mind of the killer. And uh, one quick thing I did want to quickly end with is that how do we know that he wasn't trying to kill the lead character Pam because he knew that that was her dorm and. Well, I guess he followed her in there, but he had, would have had to have known that was he her dorm, right? He would have seen her leave, though. Oh, uh, well, right? right. Because yeah, I guess the boyfriend came in shortly after she left. Yeah. And on top of that, he had plenty of time to take her. Like, he didn't even chase her running. He followed her, but he didn't chase her running. Yeah. And then when the major grabbed her, like, at the ground floor in the yard. I guess you're right. Maybe he was surprised when he found Pam came back. Um, because right. Pam was just like, hey, so, I'm going to. So Pam was at the dance. Mm-hmm. Lisa was flirting with her man. And then Lisa drops punch all over Pam's white dress. So she has to go and get changed. That's when yeah. she goes back into her dorm. She sees that the shower is running and closes the door, not knowing that the her roommate and her bo- roommate's right. boyfriend because are dead. Because she's respectful and she's right. been through this before. She knows her roommate's but, been getting it on. Yes. But... The, the killer is still in, in the bathroom. She doesn't know that, but we see him place a rose over the... Uh, I get it. The girl's name was Rosemary, but 
a rose versus rosemary. They're both plants. Just put some fragrant rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> he's sprinkling rosemary on her. They're like, she I don't know why. Big, we think he's about, delicious. He's trying to cook his victims, I think, but we're not sure. <laughs> we just catch him before he gets them on the grill. <laughs> oh, but yeah, can you so, imagine how that bathroom would have smelled after all those hours of them like just steaming with the with the rosemary? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So he was in there for quite some time, though, if you think about it, like between the time that he actually killed him and then the, the whole punch incident and then her having to get up there. Like he wasn't just like, I killed you guys. Here's the rose. I'm out of here. He actually hung out for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and he then did. he was surprised. She comes in. And at that point, he must have recognized that that was like Pam, mm-hmm. but then was very quiet. She leaves. And then he... She starts hearing somebody walk behind her. Yeah, she hears a door. Yeah, she hears a door slam or close. Uh, She sees a shadow. She sees the guy's boots Mm -hmm. and starts running. Yep. And he is walking after her. And we don't know if he's going to kill her or what, but she gets away. She gets out out of the dormitory. She goes into the yard. The major grabs her by the arm. He's in his wheelchair. She fights him off. And then she starts screaming, and that's when her boyfriend right. comes over. Because right. the dorm is walking distance from the dance. Yeah. Like, two houses over kind of distance. Right. Um, so that's where we left off, because yeah. we talked about that before. Mark and- goes and helps and goes to try to check the dorms. Mm-hmm. And her door is locked. And I'm like, that's it? That's all the investigation right. you're going to do? <laughs> and again, the there's locked. two dead bodies in there. And uh, he's didn't, you know, he did great deputying. He didn't go and check <laughs> if her roommate was okay. Like, Pam must have said, I was up there. Sherry's up there with her with her man, but this guy chased me. You should check on them. Mm-hmm, right. But no, they don't do that. They instead are like, let's go break into the major's house across the street. Yeah, which was strange. Yeah, they broke in there, but that's when we get to see all this lovely stuff, like all the furniture and everything just covered up because nobody's using it. Um, perfect places for hiding. And I know that because I have seen the three ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember? I, I, they're painting part of the house in the three ninjas. And so they're like hiding in the. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I kind of remember. We find that. out that the daughter's name was Rosemary. There was a, a yearbook and a pressed rose and all of this stuff, like all pictures and stuff. So uh, we remember that Rosemary was the initial victim. Yeah. So this scene is essentially just to help. The characters in this in the, um, the the movie Pam to, and Mark yeah, to, to familiarize of, themselves right with, it, with right? what happened years ago. So, uh, mean so they're like, oh, they're being direct. They're like being directed to the cemetery or something because of the clues they're following. Because Pam puts it together. Oh, thirty five years ago, what the killer was never caught. Oh my gosh, this is the guy, and he and Mark is like, nah, it's the prowler that was coming to Avalon. Right. right? Yeah. Um. Right. Meanwhile, Lisa decides to go for a little uh, dip in the pool. Yeah, because her boyfriend's vomiting all over the dance. <laughs> yeah, he's, and that- he's later arrested, but uh, Lisa leaves. He's the one who spiked the punch, he's I think, the one's, right? Yeah. yeah. And so Lisa leaves, and Lisa's the one that was dancing with Mark. And then Mark and Pam show up shortly after she leaves to tell everybody, stay put. We think the prowler's here because she just got chased. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Yeah. So everybody's held up at the dance, but Lisa's already heading to some random person's pool. Right. She says, I'm going to the gardener's pool. And I'm like, 
you're not even going to the school pool. You're going to somebody's home. Now, was it the gardeners? Like that was the, some family's last name? I think it's a name? family's last name. <laughs> or she was going to her gardener's pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Felipe. Yeah. Felipe He's Carson. doing well. He has a pool now. I go over there from time to time. <laughs> but, you know, she does the thing. She, she has this one move, the dive. Oh, right. Yeah, she, she loves her dive. She does this one She move. needs an audience for how much she dives into that pool. Yeah, but uh, the killer finds her there. Yeah, he does. And he doesn't make himself known to her until she starts climbing out the pool, and he kicks her in the fucking face. Right, right. Think about her perspective. She's just enjoying life, diving in the pool, feeling the water on her body, <laughs> and she comes up and pow! Gets a kick in the... <laughs> But it was like so crazy because she like like just like uh, seizes. I don't know what she starts going into convulsions. Well, that's what I mean. He kicked her so hard. Yeah, she couldn't swim. She was like seizing up, and uh, you know, he kills her. Man, he kills her the fuck up. Well, that's one of those where you're at that moment. You're like, I think I have to kill her because she's like, what's happening? You don't want to leave her alive. You know, if she's like. Twitching in like pain, she would have right? drowned anyway. I think. I know that's my point. Is he probably at that point was like, I just have to kill her now, like it, just to put her out of her misery. <laughs> that poor girl, um, and like he gets it right in the chin. She probably mm-hmm. had no idea what happened. Damn. Next thing you know, she's out like a light. Yeah, absolutely. But then when Mark and Pam make their way to the cemetery, they go to an open grave. Mm-hmm. The open grave is Rosemary's grave. And who do they find in the open grave? Lisa. Well, yes, they do. However, I was confused because I didn't, at first I didn't recognize her as Lisa. I thought she looked, the body looked more pale or maybe just um, more like, like an older dead body. So I was thinking that was Rosemary's body in there. But I was like, you know. I didn't recognize it as Lisa right away. You pointed it out, and well, that's why yeah, I was like, because oh, okay, I guess the it's Lisa. body of Rosemary later we find was actually hidden in the chimney Correct. at the Major's house. So going back to what the fuck is going on with this killer, like what was he doing? Digging up Rosemary's body to so take her back to the Major's I, I house? I guess he And then did. he wanted to put Lisa in the casket? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like what the I hell? Know. I don't know. He was... Suffering trauma. Like he was processing his breakup <laughs> in a very inappropriate way. <laughs> but at the at all at the same time, while doing his sheriff deeds day to day, and then just waiting for his time to take his quick little vacation break so he could have his little fun. Well, I imagine it was very triggering for him to see the dance happen again. Yeah. Right? Because sure. the town kind of catered to his to his uh, need to not remember. It could have easily been a he snapped kind of incident initially and then like was allowed to forget about it for the most part. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that really, you know, they for what, 50 some years? How many years? 35 years. 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And all of a sudden he's like, God damn it, they're doing that thing again. And then it might, might it may have brought up old feelings. But can yeah. you imagine though, like, Poor Rosemary. She was just trying to live her life. Like, that's like me saying, what if this guy came out of prison and was like, bitch? It could happen. He did. He came out of prison and was like, bitch. And I'm like, look, man. And he's like, for that hairy motherfucker, 
At that time, I was dating um, he who shall not be named. He called him a wolf man. What? <laughs> man, you sure know how to pick him. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten at least one good one. Just one. Okay. That's <laughs> all that matters. The one good one. <laughs> you got to kiss a few frogs sometimes. To, to find a prince? No, just because it's a have to. Oh, okay. Would you ever lick the toad? That's disgusting. I wouldn't even touch a frog. I'm like so terrified of those things. I'm not great with animals that are not like a dog or a cat. Like I, I don't even, I can't even like hold a bird. Yeah. Okay. This, there's supposedly this thing where um, there's a specific toad. Have you heard this before? <gasps> Do you know where I'm going with this? Is it the, the trippy toad from yeah. like the Simpsons? It's not like uh, from the Simpsons. It's for real, like in real life. The Simpsons got it from this world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I draw the lines at microdosing. Okay. <laughs> You're like, that's it. I'm not going to go licking toads. I'm not going to lick a toad. I think I'm good with like, occasionally my body needs to relax because I'm always at high alert. And the microdosing allows me to kind of just. <sighs> and that's it. I'm cool with that. I'll drink some horrible canned Mai Tais. That's it. Oh, I'm never buying this again. No? Let mm -hmm. me try it. Let me see what you're drinking over here. How bad this is. Yeah. It's, um, sugary. Sugary. It's just sugar. Yeah, there's more sugar in it than I would prefer. You can keep it over there. Thanks. <laughs> okay. I don't want it. Score. <laughs> Watch, here's the trick. You just down it real quick. Although it does feel like it would give you a little bit of a morning hangover with all that yeah sugar. it doesn't i don't like it i'd like the costco margaritas and then i just i just on the rim instead of salt it's just tahin that's my favorite thing yeah right now i also like um hop secrets tongue butter beers that somebody drank all night you'll have to go back and get some more i guess they're not too far away We're only in monrovia we could totally do it yeah the next time you're on the prowl <laughs> do you remember uh there was a call car a car called the prowler i think it no. was a chrysler didn't they make it the prowler no 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 i i told this guy at work oh you drive you drive that ford sequestra huh and he's never heard that before in his life or something because he turns to me and he goes uh no it's a dodge <laughs> <laughs> right here the chrysler prowler I, do you remember? You don't remember seeing these? Yeah, like a little roadster. Yes, correct. That's cool. They had like the the yeah the two wheels that look like they're barely connected to the front or whatever. They came in purple a lot back in the day. I think when I saw them in Florida, they didn't last too long. They must not have been a great car. But not like this movie, which should have lasted a hell of a lot longer. Um, no, the movie was perfect. There was nothing I would change in this movie. Anyway, there's eight kills in this movie. We find out who the killer is. But before we find out who the killer is, because they totally do a, uh, a Scooby-Doo mask removal kind mm -hmm. of thing. At some point, Pam is getting chased through the major's house because this guy's going to kill her. Right? 
He's going to kill her. Yeah, though. she was. this is when she was hiding. They kind of do the shining scene almost, right? Yeah, this is- she's running and, and she's doing such a great job at hiding. Like a rat comes and, and, and hides next to her and she like right. doesn't make a sound. Right. She protects herself. She kills. She shoots the guy, kills the guy, all this stuff. She fucking kicks ass in this movie. Yes. Do you know when The Shining came out? 19. It had to have been before this movie, yeah. right? Had to. I just want to double check that, but I'm pretty sure it was in the 70s. But that that scene was so much like The Shining, except it was a pitchfork. And instead of him doing the here's Johnny, he just like bust the door down. Remember? Like, yeah. Like flying. It's was like, uh, it was, that was pretty great. I, I kind of enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. The um the kills were great. There were eight kills, right? So it was Sherry, the boyfriend, Lisa, the le- the teacher who went to go look for Lisa got killed. Um then there was the did the major get killed? I don't remember him dying at this point, but they were running around his house. Yeah. And then there was the the guy, the groundskeeper or whatever. He had like special needs. Oh yeah, yeah. he's the one that they want to give he, you the act. Like they want you, you to think, think he is. He did. Yeah. yeah. So he died after saving Pam. Yeah. And then the killer. Wait, somebody else died. The Mark die? Yeah, he gets shot, doesn't he? I don't remember. Yeah, doesn't the ironing. killer shot something? He he woke up after we're supposed to think that he's yeah, dead, yeah. and then he get boom, okay. and he shot Mark. I believe. Okay. I believe. Yeah. I don't know. It's all hazy. You know how many movies we've watched since then? Even <laughs> <laughs> it's like we can't. We watched so many movies, we can't keep up with them if okay. we wanted to. But this movie was so good because it kept you guessing. It kept you. With, they had some scares in it, which you didn't expect because it was not according to the template that was put in place shortly after. Sure, yeah. It had Tom Savini special effects. You're drinking that drink. It's horrible. Stop it. Um, Tom Savini special effects. It had um, uh, characters that you didn't know. You know, they weren't like uh, well-known actors. So you weren't like, oh, that's going to be the final girl. Oh, that's going to be the the final guy. That's going to be the killer. You don't, you don't know these characters. And I love it when a, when a horror movie has actors that you don't know who they are because you want to be able to think about who the killer is. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like in a cartoon when you when you see that there's a wall that's painted gray and then there's a one part that's not painted gray. You know that that's where the secret entrance is going to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Do you so, know why that was the case, though, in, in cartoons? No. I think that has to do with the way that they used to um, create what they called the cells. Like, it would, when they would And then they would remove them. it? Yeah. So when you have, like, a background, you'd have one painting that was the backdrop. Oh, and the layers? Yes, correct. Oh, gotcha. And then that's why it looked like it was different colors, because it was essentially a cell on top of it, layered. Gotcha. Well, that. Having actors that you don't know or they're not super well-known removes that aspect of it. I agree, yeah. And a lot of good horror movies um, star basically unknown, you know, um, cast members and sometimes break um, careers. JLC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shoot, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Bacon was in Friday the 13th. (laughs) That's right. Johnny Depp was in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. And The Shining... 
uh, I just happened to look it up, was 1980. So it came out the year before this one. So for sure, they were taking a little uh Well, maybe it was homaged. filmed earlier. I don't know. I don't know. That would be that would be very interesting if it was because then it's like, wait a minute, it was so eerily the same. Yeah, it really was. It was it, that scene where she's hiding. Great, great fucking scene. The suspense, and you don't know where she's hiding. You just know that she's hiding. And this guy, this killer, is wearing a mask, so you don't know if he's in his berserker mode. You know, mm-hmm. like he's like losing his shit. Or if he's calm and poised. Yeah. How crazy do you think it would be if this was an original, you know, that scene with the pitchfork and the, the whole looking like a shining thing and like somebody saw a rough cut of it and then happened to. I don't know. And- this, this movie. Um, so I was reading something about this movie um, that there was somebody who wanted to really do a big release for it. And the director was like, no, I'll just release it my own. And because of that, it was not released properly and they only made like a million dollars. Yeah. The thing is, I saw that one too. That was because the offer was only for like 750000 mm-hmm. And so they didn't want to do it because they put in a million. So mm-hmm. they needed to make at least break even or whatever. But in the long run, it probably hurt them in box office mm-hmm. sales. It's I don't a great know. movie. I don't know what it was, but this for me and for you, this movie went under the radar all the way up until this past weekend, and I <laughs> thought it was great. I, I mean, I you I had never even seen the cover art. You know, we we've seen the box art for lots of movies. Mm-hmm. This right. one I had I don't even remember seeing it. Right. It's so good. It's like everybody should watch it. And I and I purposefully didn't talk about all the kills because even though we know who the killer is and we know that a lot of people die. Just watching it, you're gonna fucking love it. Yes, it's great, and um, I agree. All the so way, much better all than Greece. <laughs> so much better than Greece. Yes, yes. Oddly enough, very similar in some <laughs> ways to Greece because it's based around a high school dance and, and a graduation. A, yeah, yeah. There's some flus in happening. There's, flu- there's breakups. Absolutely. Mental health. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, great, great movie. Um, you know, this is one of the main reasons why I love doing this podcast is because we come across movies like this that are just gems that, you know, we weren't exposed to at times in our lives. And, um, you know, I, I, that, you know, that remember when we watched that, um, documentary that was all about the eighties horror mm-hmm. movies, I bet you this was in there, but we probably didn't notice it or we didn't realize, or, you know what I mean? Like, because we had never seen it before, maybe we had like skipped over it, or just didn't sink in our head. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. sure that somebody had to have made reference to that movie. I mean this this seems like it's such a um, it's supposed to have a cult following. Yeah, it's the epitome of a great slasher movie. Like it's one of the Godfathers, I would say, of slasher movies. Considering it came out in '81, I know maybe like say second first generation. You know. Mm. Um, I don't know. I really liked the Pam character. I really liked her. Pam, yeah. She was I know. she was smart. She was feisty. She fought back. Like, yeah, um, I know that um other final girls fight back, but Pam, the way that she fought back was intentional and it was purposeful. Yeah. It was not like panic attack, like like I'm going to just get at you with everything I can. She was like, I'm striking 
this is my strategy. Mm-hmm. It was so cool to see that. One of my favorite scenes of her was specifically in the beginning when she was coming down the stairs being chased by the prowler. Um, when she gets to the door and she's like struggling with the latch and whatever, like it gets, it's so like, come on, open the door already. Just fucking do it. And you're like, like that feeling that I get to me, it's that building the tension. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they did it so well where you're like, get, get out, open the door mm-hmm. already. He's yep, coming. Yep. And, and she was, you know, fiddling with it. And I just, I just thought that scene was great. And mm-hmm. she just did great in it too, you know? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. But yeah. What was your favorite scene? Did you have one? Of or, the entirety of the movie? Or yeah, it doesn't have to be a favorite, but like is there one that stood out to you or Well, my my favorite scene is the um it's the scene where she's hiding under the cuz there's a there's a third floor where all the furniture is covered under tarps. Yeah. And she's like hiding from the killer in that yeah. in underneath the furniture. Where that they... was my favorite scene. Okay. Um the suspense there was great. It yeah. was, uh, it was, um, you can feel that you're also hiding under there and you don't know where this guy is going to come. And he is st- not even looking at things. He's stabbing through all of the furniture and breaking things as he goes along. And she was so smart to hide under the furniture closest to the door because who's going to think they're in the first one? No, you're going to go deep into the heart of the room and start looking hidden away because naturally you're like, <laughs> somebody's going to want to hide deep into the room. Yeah. She hid in the first one. So that way when he was distracted, she was able to run out of the room. That was so smart. That was. And uh, I like that scene a lot too, especially with the whole rat and everything. Oh, gross. <laughs> There's a rat. <laughs> yeah. It's a very interesting find, and I'm very glad we found it. Um, fortunately, we also watched a couple other movies this week that were like bombs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I sorry before we go into that. Um, I did find a lot of similarities or comparisons to My Bloody Valentine. Okay, I was thinking the same thing too because we watched that recently. However, you didn't get through that movie. You I fell actually asleep. fell asleep. Yeah. The tables were turned. Oh, how the turns have tables. Um, so that one, I got through it. I would like to see it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for you. If it's a comparison you. for this movie, yeah, I'm in. I wouldn't, I, yeah. I, you got very close to the end because we were kind of at that point where we we're like, wait, who was it? And I don't think you got to the end to figure out who uh-uh. it was yet. But it was, um, I like that one too. It was pretty good. It, it's Oddly enough, again, similar to this one in the fact that the the mask or whatever, it's like a, you know, you don't really see a face. I think that's where, you know, they were starting to come up with this template. It was like, oh, shit, we've got Halloween. It's just this mask. Mm -hmm. No expression. Then Jason, well, at that time, Friday the 13th, one, it was, there was no Jason. There was no hockey mask. Okay. And then... I don't know what other ones came out. Well, this killer had a mask, but it was only like whatever his military uniform was because he was one of those like amphibian soldiers that were in the water all the time or something. Yeah, it was something definitely. um, I I don't know the correct terminology and I don't know if it's amphibious. Maybe you're right. Um, 
that would sort of make sense, but it covers the entire mm-hmm. face. And in My Bloody Valentine, that's the same thing. This miner's coal mask covers the face. And I believe that that was the, like I said, the template mm-hmm. of like trying to create a non-expressive killer, something mm-hmm. that just, you know. Well, that's why some people are so scared of clowns. It's like the um, the inability to read expression properly. But clowns are very expressive, though, especially the no, evil ones. Yes, right? they're expressive, but their expression is painted on their face. So you don't know what the true expression Correct. is. Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I think that's all I got for this movie this week. How about you? Is there anything else you want to add to it? Um, No, just thanks for stopping by. We really enjoy this movie, and we hope that you will check it out and let us know what you think. Come back and find out what movie we're going to do next. We've been watching a ton of them lately, so it's hard to pick, but um, I'm sure we're going to have a, a good one next time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Because we don't want to do any of these crappy ones we saw. Like, No, I kind of want to do some of the crappy ones <laughs> we've seen. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Because even though we think it's crappy, somebody else might like it. That's true. Everybody's There's always somebody who who might like one of these. I, I, we watched... Um, no, 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 no. We watched something on the internet today, which had... Uh, or maybe it wasn't a movie, but it was a post. And it was about some movie that's not maybe t- technically a horror movie, but this Prisoners or something... That looked pretty good. I think we should check that out. We might even do an episode on that. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that looked that looked promising. Cool. All right. Well, again, thanks for stopping by. We hope to hear from you guys. Um, come back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Sounds good. Okay, bye. <laughs>